And with that, Josh, come on up and we look forward to how you're going to encourage us. Well, thank you for the applause. That's nice. You know what I love about my wife so much? Everything. Everything. Besides everything, uh, is her unrelenting and uncanny ability to be unbiased in every situation. <laughs> no, it's, it's, the, it's, it's what we call the mercy gift. And it's something that I really, um, I know I sound sarcastic. I'm really not trying to be funny here. <laughs> I'm serious. It's, you know, when I want to be angry at the guy that just cut me off on the road or something like that, my wife will say, well, maybe he has an emergency and he has to get to the hospital or something bad happened to him. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. (laughs) That doesn't help me in this situation. I want to stay angry. (laughs) I love you. If you're in here and you have that ability to be unbiased, let me move this out of the way so I can see Francisco's handsome face. There we go. I, I just love that ability to be unbiased because it reminds me to just calm down, tuck that Hamilton back in, and, and just have God's eyes in the situation. So, can I share a quick testimony before we get started? No? no? Okay, cool. We don't, we don't do that here, sorry. <laughs> you do what you want, man. You got the mic. <laughs> uh, last week, I sang a lot about rain, a lot about God's flowing and in waters and stuff like that. Now, when I was putting the, the lineup together, it was, uh, I just felt like God was leading me in that direction. It felt right as I was worshiping to setting up the lineup. So we had service, I, we, we did worship, we had service. And then after service, Mary Paplava then texted me and she's like, hey, you know what's amazing is that I send morning prayers out on social media every morning. And today, which was Sunday, happened to be about rain. And we didn't communicate. We didn't talk about that kind of stuff. Is that amazing or what? God's speaking. So why do I share that? Some of you may be in here feeling like you don't hear from God, like you're having a hard time hearing his voice. You've prayed. You're like, I'm getting nothing, you know. But I will say and remind you that he is always speaking or he has already spoken. Sometimes we just need a little help recognizing his voice what it sounds like, what it feels like. Do you get get what I'm saying? It reminds me of the story of Samuel when he was a boy and he was in the temple. He he grew up in church. He was a church boy. And he still didn't recognize the Lord's voice when he said, Samuel, when he was sleeping. Woke him up. He goes to the high priest, Master Eli. He's like, yes, you called me, Lord? Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Samuel. He said, yes, you called me, Eli? I didn't call you. Samuel happened again. And then Eli perceived, he perceived that the Lord was speaking to him. So sometimes you need a little help with perceiving God's voice. Sometimes you need to be in the environment of being able to hear the Lord's voice. Amen? So that's not what I wanted to share today. I just want to encourage you if you're in here having a hard time with that, God wants to speak to you. God wants to share his word with your heart because his word is powerful. His word is living and active. Can I hear an amen? Yes, Mary. This morning when we came into Mountain Rock, okay. and I was with Mark, and I said, all of his and he started singing all of his <laughs> and that was the first song. Man, I'm a, I'm a prophet, didn't even know it. 
Didn't even know it. So the fountains were off, and uh, when we came in this morning, then we started singing all my fountains, and they're turning on and stuff like that. So there you go with a little word picture. <laughs> all right. So what I really wanted to share today was something that has happened to me. Uh, I've experienced it in many small ways, but also in many big ways in my life. And you may be able to identify with this as well. Um, and one of the big ways was when Daryl Lee and I felt that we were called to full-time ministry, you know, kind of had, had what I'm calling today's sermon, a divine disruption from burden to blessing. That's what I, I just, that, that word just clicked with me. And I'm like, yeah, it was a disruption because we had our routines, we had our flow, we had our life kind of thing going on. And then God was like, I want you to do this. I'm like, okay, that's different but it was a good thing, and it was a God thing. So you may be able to identify with that. My question is this, is what happens when we experience disruptions of life that have the ability to keep us down and out? Or when God shows up in a miraculous and a divinely orchestrated way? We as Christians, how we choose to respond to this can either keep it a burden or turn it into a blessing. Right? So some examples you might think of in, in Scripture are Saul, who became Paul, when he was persecuting Christians, and he was riding on horseback, going to persecute more Christians. And then Jesus poof, knocks him off his high horse and says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Totally transformed. And that, I think, was a divine disruption right there, right? Joseph he had a dream, couldn't keep his mouth shut about it. Started talking to his, the wrong people. I guess his family were the wrong people. They threw him in a well. And then they sell him to slavery. And then God was with him through that whole process. But what, tur- what, tur- what was supposed to be a bad thing ended up turning into a good thing. God used it because God was with him. He ended up saving a nation and becoming the second in command. From all that disruption turned into a good thing. Make sense? Some modern examples. Maybe you've been praying for a breakthrough in something. You want, to, you want that promotion. You're praying for, for yourself to meet the one. And you do. And that prayer happens. Or it doesn't. You lose a job. You lose a loved one. Something catastrophic happens that is a disruption. So, no matter the, the disruption of the situation, good or bad, it really does all have the potential of being turned into an opportunity to see God move no matter what it is, and work out for the good, right? You guys are really quiet. I'm from a charismatic church from growing up, so I need some talking back. I need some some hallelujahs. I need some help fanning this gift into flame, okay? Mr. Hamilton's preaching today. It's going to probably get a little loud. (laughs) So out of all the wonderful stories in the Bible, out of maybe some of the, the stories you recognize or can identify with, one in particular that's hitting home for me, and this is, this is what I, I want to get us into. One in particular that's hitting home for me is the story of Nehemiah. And because I see how many parallels that he's gone through, and I recognize that in my own life, and it just makes so much sense. So I've got the revelation on it, I think, and I believe that it's going to reawaken something in you. You guys ready? Yeah. All right, let's pray. Lord, speak your word through me today. Awaken the sleepy souls and reignite passion for seeing your kingdom come with power. 
Give us ears to hear your voice, eyes to see your goodness, and help us today, Lord Jesus, to discover the greater things that you've called each and every one of us to. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. You can turn to it on your device. It's up on the the jumbo screen there. (laughs) Huge. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year while I was in the citadel of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some of the other men and questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province but are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you today, day and night. For your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We've not obeyed your commands, decrees, and laws that you gave to Moses. Remember the instruction that you gave to Moses, saying, If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are in the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to a place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. I like how it says, I will gather them and then place. I saw gathering place there, which was really cool. So, They are servants and your, and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Okay, water break. <laughs> a short backstory on why this affected Nehemiah so much, okay? I have to read this because I pulled this off uh, offline. This is really good. So after the Babylonian captivity, a remnant of the Jewish people have returned to Jerusalem under the leadership of Zerubbabel and Ezra. The returned exiles had rebuilt the temple, but they were without a wall of protection. They were exposed to raids. They were exposed to all the elements. And not having a wall just kind of symbolized and communicated that we're a defeated people. That's not what God's people are. We're not a defeated people. We're victorious people. Right? In Christ, we're more than what? Conquerors. And so that's why it affected Nehemiah so much to see that God's people shouldn't be living in this type of situation. So what did he do? He wept. He mourned. Why did he mourn? Because he knew that it was because of sin and disobedience to God's commands and what God was asking them to do that they were scattered, that they were living in this type of way. This was a consequence of their poor decisions. Does that make sense? So which brings us to our first step in the process of Nehemiah's divine disruption from burden to blessing, and that is, if I could find it here, don't be afraid of your feelings. Amen. Don't be afraid of your feelings. 
Nehemiah allowed himself to feel what he felt, and he didn't try to, uh, to avoid them. He embraced them, but in a productive way. In a productive way. Because there's lots of unproductive ways to deal with your emotions, and they lead you into all sorts of trouble. So we've been raised in a culture <laughs> that avoids negativity and bad feelings at all costs, right? Do you, you, you may run to food, family, Facebook, football, uh, fantasies, whatever, whatever you can do to get away from those bad feelings, but it doesn't really go away. It just festers there and stews there behind the closed door. And then after a while, it starts to stink. <laughs> you know what I mean? God can't heal what you try to hide. God cannot address what you repress. God cannot shine on what you keep in the dark. Exposure, in this sense, is a very good thing. When you come to the light of God. Why? Because we're God's children. We're children of light. And we must walk in the light as He is in the light. Can I hear an amen? So, be brutally honest with yourself. Whenever this just disruption or interruption happens in your life, how do you feel? I'm angry. I'm frustrated, God. I'm confused. I'm sad. I'm lonely. I'm this. I'm that. Whatever. Honesty. Yeah, God already knows what you're feeling. I can't tell you how many times I have felt guilty for feeling negative things in, in, you know, as a Christian because I feel like, well, that means I'm, I don't have faith. That means I'm not trusting. That means I'm not believing that God could come through. It, mean, it means, it means, it means. The committee, as Pastor John says. But that's not true, necessarily. And what I'm not saying is, is that we should continue to be an angry jerk if you have an anger problem. <laughs> if you... If you are constantly in a depressive state. I'm not saying continue to stay there. I'm not giving you permission to stay there. God doesn't want you to stay there. But the productive way is this, and it brings us to our next point, which is number two, come to God immediately. So once Nehemiah processed his emotions, he immediately came to God. He felt what he felt. He went through those weeping, mourning, fasting, praying. And he came to God immediately. And he poured out his heart. 1 Peter 5.7 says this. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Amen? That's the truth. That's God's word. It says cast all your anxiety on him because he what? Cares for you. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Now, it doesn't just say he will, let, he will never let the righteous be shaken. What do you got to do first? You got to cast your burden on him. He can handle it. You got to be honest with your emotions and how you're feeling about whatever situation you might be going through. Come to God immediately. The unfortunate thing that we do is we usually bring our burdens somewhere else, right? <laughs> not always. Not for the holy people. It's, I'm talking about other people. 
I'm talking about other folks. Now we bring it to, like I said before, family, friends, fantasy, food, football, Facebook. You know you're posting on Facebook, not for solutions. Do you try to escape the pressure of, of that disruption or any life circumstances or the stresses of life with drugs, alcohol, dating, relationships? Right? Do you bury it with being a workaholic? You know what? I'm just... Work hard, try harder. Uh, I'll numb whatever pain that is with just, with just being busy. And like I was said before, that's not going to fix anything. That's just going to cause it to still be there. And you're probably going to be all disjointed emotionally and mentally because you're not dealing with what is on your heart or God wants to deal with it. So why do we do that? Why do we run to other things? I'm, include, I'm saying we because I do this all the time. <laughs> I haven't arrived. I'm still working through this process myself. It's possible that we think we know what's best for ourselves. It's possible that we, you know, don't necessarily trust that God has plans to prosper us, plans not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future. It's possible that we don't believe in His goodness the way we say we do sometimes, right? Because too many things have happened that have caused us to, like, I prayed for that like a dozen times, God, and it's still uh, opposite happened. Or I've hoped in you, and that's kind of not been happening, you know? It can leave you in a, in a crisis type of state. I totally understand that. But it's until we enter into the presence of God where we, we, we're just with him. We were, praying, we were praying that this morning during pre-service prayer, just being with God, just being with him. During worship, Lance prayed the very same thing. Like before we, before we had sound check, he was just saying, just be with him. He loves that. The past couple of weeks, I've been spending a lot of time just getting on my guitar, putting, putting song lineups together. And it's almost immediately where I just sense the presence of Jesus just coming, enjoying being with me. I'm not bringing my petitions. I'm not bringing my, my, my agenda. I'm not bringing all my prayer requests. God, do this. God, do that. I'm bringing myself. And I just want to encourage you to, to if you haven't been in that practice, maybe start doing that. Because his presence fixes a lot of things. I just feel his uh, his peace. Who here needs peace? Holy Spirit, you see your children. And so like Nehemiah, we're coming to you immediately this morning. We're asking you for the peace that surpasses understanding. We're asking you, God, that you would continue to speak your word to our heart deep down this morning. As me, your mouthpiece today, your son, use my words to speak to your church, God. Touch hearts today. 
John 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? You ever work so hard at trying to make something happen and it yields very little? <laughs> but in God, in Jesus, if you're abiding in him, even the little work that you do, it can perpetuate and multiply. Do you believe that? Amen. I believe it. I believe that when we try to act everything out in the flesh and try to do everything by just sheer grit and just push through, be the tough guy, and it's a lot harder to do that when your life is hidden in Christ and you're supposed to be abiding in Him. Now, I'm not saying that to just say point the finger. You need to abide in Him. This is our source. He is our strength. He is our shield. He is our hiding place. Amen? Amen. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Our third point in the process is praise God and remind Him of who He is, what He's done, and what He can do again. Praise God. And remind him of who he is, what he's done, and what he can do again. That's what Nehemiah did. He wasn't reminding God that he was, that he was great and awesome and that he keeps his covenants because God somehow forgot. You know? He's not forgetful. He was doing that for himself more so. I have to do that. God, your promises are this. Why? Because you have to stir up that faith inside so you can believe for it again in your life. So how do we enter into his courts? With? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Gates with praise. Gates with praise. He enters his courts with praise. All of it. All the praises. All the gates. All the courts. (laughs) Praise. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. He, he literally inhabits the praises of his people. He is enthroned on the praises of his people. So when I'm up here jumping around like a Jack Russell on caffeine, <laughs> praising, I'm, I'm trying to draw that out of you guys because there's power in unity. There's power in the collective body of Christ praising God with all of your heart. Getting out of your head, into your heart, bringing it back to God. Hear what I'm saying? Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. This is how we can come to God boldly. So we're we're pushing aside unworthiness, we're pushing aside shame, we're pushing aside all this, I don't deserve it, I haven't earned it. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he didn't sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. Confidence, So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's grace. It's not by works. You can't work hard, tr- uh, work hard enough, try hard enough, do all the things and the steps. I mean, there's a process here. This is a good process, but it has everything to do with our positioning of our hearts when we have those disruptions in our life, right? So Nehemiah preceded the coming prayer request by reminding God and himself of his faithfulness. God was faithful in the past. He was faithful now in the situation that he was in, and he will be faithful again in the future. Amen? The fourth step in, our, in Nehemiah's process and in what we can do when we have disruptions is get your heart right with God with repentance. Repentance, when, I, when you hear the word repent, it's like a scary word. <laughs> But it's, it's really not. What it means is you're just, you were going this way, right? You're turning around and going this way. This ain't working. This works. Realigning with God. Realigning. Confession. So good for us. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We've acted very wickedly towards you. We've not obeyed the commands and decrees and laws. So remember what I said about like feeling bad about feelings? (laughs) Like I feel guilty for feeling this because I think I'm not trusting God or having faith that he's going to get me through this or that he won't come through. No, he was repenting for the nation's disobedience and even his sometimes. He not only was reminding God and himself of what would happen when they disobeyed, but here's the catch. There's, there's restoration. There's, uh, uh, there's a turning around that God will do and produce in us. He said that if we turned back and we obeyed, then you would gather us. You would bring us back together as a nation again. You would restore us. So it reminds me of this. Second uh, Chronicles Chapter 7, verses 14 through 15. When I shut up the heavens so that there was no rain, there's that rain theme we're talking about, or command locusts to devour the land and send a plague among the people, we're doing this. We're, we're, we're actively doing this part. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. That's a good thing, huh? Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. You you catch that little, did you catch that process? Humble yourself and pray. Seek his face. Turn from the wickedness. Turn from your wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive your sin and heal their land. 
Now my eyes will be opened and attentive to their prayers. It's, it's about heart posture. What have we put on the throne of our hearts instead of God? What have we gone to first before coming to God, right? That's what we got to fix. I love that we're doing the 30 days of prayer because I feel like there's a lot of stirring going on in, in individuals' lives, and there may be some supernatural activity going on in your life and testimonies of God's provision. Anybody in here experiencing some sort of revitalization and some newness from our 30 days of prayer at all? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you haven't, it's coming. Just keep praying. We're talking about that persistence in, in, in pre-service prayer. Just keep going. Francisco um, shared a, an image a prophetic image uh, that we were using an old-fashioned drill to get up into the ceiling, and on the other side of it was this, like, purpley sort of powerful glow that was just trying to leak out through the ceiling. And (laughs) sometimes it just feels like we're going in circles trying to pray, 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 do the things, and and nothing seems to be happening. We'll get little glimpses of what's behind that. Oh, Oh, there's that thing. But it's like not fully aware, not fully coming down. But then all of a sudden, the ceiling just came down. And a flood of God's power, God's glory, God's royalty, God's breakthrough came into that room. And the picture, I was seeing the picture as you were, as you were sharing that, just about that whole circle thing. But also, you're probably in here or you're watching and you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling. And it's just like it takes so much work to just get the get into prayer or get into God's presence and, and, and continue to pray the same thing over and over again. But all it takes is that one more turn. And then it comes down. There's that breakthrough. There's that answer. Cool, huh? <laughs> Second Corinthians seven, verse ten says, Godly sorrow leads to repentance. It doesn't say godly sorrow leads to more shame, guilt, and condemnation. It leads to repentance. When, when we fall short of God's glorious standard, for all his sin and fall short of God's glorious standard, says in Romans 3, we can sometimes get stuck in that and say, like, oh, well, God doesn't love me anymore. I'm not worthy to be called your son, that whole prodigal son type of thing. I messed up bad. I can't come to you, so this is what I'll do. I'll work real hard to get your affection back, God. I'll do it. And then when we mess up again, fall short again, it even more solidifies that feeling of unworthiness and shame and guilt. Does anyone identify with that in this room? Yeah? Totally. But I believe Romans 8.1 that says there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death, right? The law brings wrath. The law makes you feel like you're an unworthy, just worm. But the grace of God is a free gift, By the grace of God, we can come boldly to the throne of what? Grace 
and receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. First John says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I encourage you today, and we're going to have plenty of time to come to the throne today, end in praise, to repent, but boldly. As a child of God who's covered in grace, the blood of Jesus wash you, because we can come to the throne through the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Genuine repentance is acknowledging, yes, I have sinned, but I am receiving the forgiveness of Jesus, the cleansing that comes from his blood, and I'm realigning with God's purpose and destiny for my life. So we see Nehemiah and us even feeling what he felt, not being afraid of his feelings, but going through that process of feeling what you felt. But the productive way, the second point is come to God immediately. When you have that burden hit your heart, whether it's a divine one where God just comes in, like I said before, miraculously, and I'm, I think this is God, this feels like God, I'm going to come to God immediately. The third one is to praise God for who he is, what he has done, and what he can do in the future. The fourth one is get your heart right with repentance. Just get your heart right. Because you can come just as you are. But God is too good to leave you just as you are. Amen? So when you are honest with your feelings and you bring your whole self, the situation, the burden, the disruption to God, it allows you to boldly repent and come back into right standing, a.k.a. righteousness, What that does is it gives you clarity for the mission that God has for you. And it also gives you the boldness to ask for favor to accomplish that mission. I like that. So what it does give you is the clarity. When you do all the things, you come to God, you repent, you do that. Now you're in a position to receive the clarity for what God's purpose is for you. What am I going to do now? That's what Nehemiah did. And it gave him the boldness to ask for favor so that he could accomplish that mission. And what was his mission? It was to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. He knew what he had to do when that divine disruption came, but he wasn't entirely sure. But he knew what led up to that point, which was the sin of the nation. But he couldn't do what God called him to do without favor. So, our last point, ask for favor. Ask for favor. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Nehemiah 1.11 said, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant. And to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. That's the fear of the Lord. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. This man was Artaxerxes, the king of Persia. Um, 
He asked God to grant him favor with the king so that he could go back to his nation and rebuild the wall as well as repair the gates. So what did favor, asking for favor, what would that accomplish in his life? Yes, to complete the mission, but more specifically, it, and it does this for us too, it positioned him in front of the right person. It puts you in the right position to ask big. It opened the door for him to return home and get the job done. God was calling him to that, but it enabled him to do it effectively. It removed any obstacles and provided protection for the journey and work. Like you read just shortly after the section of Scripture, and you see him like asking for big things. Oh, yeah, and by the way, it provided every resource needed to complete the mission. What do I mean by resource? All the lumber he needed from the forest of this guy over here. He's like, oh yeah, can you write a letter to the governors of this one and this one and this one and this one so that I could have everything I need to get the job done? Sure. <laughs> it's like, pinch yourself. Is that really happening? <laughs> Psalm five, twelve says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Just picture that in your mind. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Psalm 90, verse 17, says, May the favor of our Lord, our God, rest on us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I just love the positioning of that, where it starts with favor, and then we request that our works would be established. You know, GPC, we want to grow. We want to reach the community in a powerful way. We want to see people come in here and come into the homes and, and, and get involved, get plugged in for healing, for deliverance. We want to see a nation changed. We want to be the light in a dark place. And to see the power of God move, not just talk about it, because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Right? You want to move in that? I do. I'm tired of praying for things and what seems like the enemy's winning or, or things aren't happening. It's like, no, blind eye, open, deaf ear, open. Be free from your addiction. Be free from your depression. Freedom. Because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Simple freedom. Who the sun sets free is what? Free. You churchgoers. <laughs> you know the word of God. That's good. I want to see the kingdom of God come in this place, in our city. I know you do too. But there's some stuff we got to do. We've been divinely disrupted. And that is a very good thing. So my question is, is how many of you want greater clarity and favor for the purpose that God has for your life? That's a lot more hands than we first started. <laughs> Good. So how many of you want 
to receive that favor and that clarity today? I know it's a daily thing. But again, there's something powerful when we do it together. When we do that together. So, let's go through that little process. I'm taking a page out of Mark's book. We're going to let the Holy Spirit do some, do some heart surgery today. So, if you feel that you've had a disruption in your life, it's a loss. It's a you know, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, something that's happened that has just totally messed up your life path and, and, and created a challenge. I would challenge you to look at it as an opportunity to see God's, God move powerfully and turn it around because the word says that what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn it around and make it good. That is God's word. It's not my word. That's God's word. And he is able to work out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Are you called? Are you called? You are. So, let's just go to the Holy Spirit right now. We're going to go through a quick, some questions because Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and examine me. See if there's any anxious way in me. We're going to allow God to search our hearts. Then we're going to praise, and then we'll invite the prayer teams up to kind of go deeper with y'all. You guys want to do that? Okay. What feelings and or sins are you not being honest about with yourself and with God? Are you maybe angry at God about something? I'm being, I'm being bold with that one. Do you, have, do you have some bitterness towards something that you wanted to happen? Unanswered, something unanswered or whatever. I want you to be honest about that with God today. Is that, is that nesting in your soul? Anger, bitterness? Do you have jealousy in there? Do you have loneliness? that you keep asking God to help you with, but you still sometimes feel, I'm lonely, I'm hurting. Don't be afraid of those feelings. <laughs> because you get to bring it before the Master. You get to bring it before God today. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would Speak right now to the soul, to our hearts that, that we're having a hard time with these emotions. Okay, but if, you, if you're in here and you feel like God is calling you to something and you've received that sort of divine disruption, you've got this sort of um, nonverbal movement in your heart, you feel like there's something more. I was made for more than what's going on in my life right now. I was created for greater things than this, than what I'm experiencing. Good. Bring that to, because I believe Holy Spirit is, gonna, is going to, like we talked about, open up the heavens and come down and pour out 
You're going to receive clarity for your calling. You're going to receive healing for whatever you're holding on to, however you were hurt, however you were broken. You can't stay in the past. Isaiah says to forget the former things. Behold, I do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Perceive it today. Because God is doing a new thing in you. He's doing a new thing in me. He's doing a new thing in our church. And we got to embrace it. So we'll take a minute. Let's be quiet. And then we'll go and praise. Yes, Mark. This is an interesting concept. But uh, I think the Lord just spoke to me about this. It's about repentance. And... uh, We need to repent about how we've been repenting. Let me explain. There's two agendas when repentance takes place. There's God's agenda for how it should go. And then there's the devil's agenda for how you should be repenting. The devil's goal in repentance is self-hate. He wants you to end up despising yourself for your sin and ending up in a state of hopelessness and despair which ultimately separates you from God. So he will do everything he can when you become repentant to focus on you focusing on you and focusing on what you've done wrong. And he'll grind you with that. God's purpose of repentance is self-awareness. Self-awareness is simply... Repentance and self-awareness is the moment when you realize this is what Josh acted out. You're going in one direction, and it's not working. And you have this pause and stop, and you realize this isn't working. I need to change directions. It's self-awareness. What I'm doing isn't working. It's not good for me. It's not good for anybody else. And it's messing up my relationship with God. And you simply, without shame, it's not about shame. It's not about self-hate. It's not about guilt. It's not about loathing. It's about saying, that was really stupid. Now, I'm not going to do that anymore, and now I need God's help to, to, to change, and I'm going to turn around, and now I'm going to ask him for the help to walk in the other direction. It's a self-awareness thing. God has no vested interest in your shame. He has no vested interest, and it doesn't do him any good, doesn't do you any good, doesn't do you, the people you're around any good. Your shame is not valuable to anyone but the devil. Right? So we need to repent of the way we've been repenting. We've got this sick... I grew up in a church that was utterly legalistic and, and just basically dealt in shame. And uh, that's religion. That's not Christianity. And there was a premium on how much you could hate yourself. Like, you're really a good Christian if you really hate yourself. And God's going, what are they talking about? I came to save them from that. I came to lift that off of them, not to end up making it worse. So look, now I'm going to use a little manipulation, a little shame. Shame on you for being ashamed. (laughs) Boneheaded idiots. But let's have a moment of awareness when we wake up and say, boy, that was really stupid because it isn't working. It's not helping me enter into God's presence at all. In fact, it's making it really hard for me to enter into God's presence. And really, the only change comes in your life because you entered into the presence of God. It wasn't your goodness that made you good. It's plugging into the 
wall socket where the goodness comes from and having it make your life work. So look, some of you are here and you've been repenting the wrong way. Will you repent of how you've been repenting and just say, I don't want to do the shame thing anymore. It isn't working. God, forgive me for getting it wrong on how to repent. I'm going to start repenting with joy in my heart because it gives me a chance to wake up, realize what isn't working and take a new direction. If that's you, just let's all just close our eyes for a minute. If that's, if that's you, just raise your hand a little bit and pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that we receive graciously your amazing unearned love. Not because it makes sense, because it doesn't. Simply because you want to, because it's who you are. Lord, that, that, that healthy repentance would come on us as just an awareness of what isn't working and a desire to change. And we bring that to you, Lord, and then we receive your love and your power to live a different kind of life. Now accept that. Accept his forgiveness. Just accept it right now. Receive your forgiveness. Just receive his forgiveness and say, thank you, I really needed that. I really, really needed that. Now, God, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall back into this crazy thinking because it's ingrained in my mind. So the next time I start thinking like this, please, would you just remind me again of what real repentance is so I can just plain trust you to do it and we go on in a new direction. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, remind me when I'm falling into the trap of self-loathing and shame. And let me change quick. Show me quickly so I can say no to it quickly so I can get back into your arms where I really belong. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand to our feet and and, and enthrone God on our praises today. And like I was saying before, if you want more clarity and on your call, on what God's purpose is for your life. If you need more of His favor, as we sing, let's cry out for that. As we sing, let's believe that God is depositing that into into us. Amen? I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days... I've been held in your hands The moment that I wake up Till I lay my head I will sing Of the goodness of God Yeah, let's sing all my life All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Hallelujah! I love your voice I love your voice You have led me through the fire darkest night you are close like no other 